Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith. Now, on last week's show, we opened a doorway into the sustainable logistics space with Sendal. James last week touched on collection points, or PUDO points, as just one facet of their drive towards net zero logistics. In today's show, I wanted to dive a little deeper and help you understand just how important they can be in delivering a better customer experience, how they can help you offer more sustainable delivery options to your customers, and how they may be able to facilitate a more cost-effective approach to circularity. So my guest today is David McLean, founder and CEO of Hubbed, Australia's leading collection point network. As you'll discover, not only are Hubbed the provider handling the collection point platform for Amazon and eBay with nearly 3,000 locations around Australia already, they can also help any brand offer the surging demand for click and collect services normally only accessible to hybrid or bricks and mortar brands. With last mile delivery estimated to contribute 50% or more of the carbon emissions for order fulfillment, I do think that collection points are a critical puzzle piece that all brands should be evaluating. So with that, let's start the show. David McLean, welcome to the show. How are you, Giles? Happy to be here. Uh, I'm very, very happy you're here. My goodness, I am so excited because I literally have multiple pages of questions. That doesn't always happen. You know, when I'm interviewing people, I kind of totally wing it. But I've got so much to ask you about today. We've got so much to to um, to explore together because I love what your company Hubbed is doing. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And it could just be the solution to many of the headaches that the brands that listeners are facing right now with regards to distribution, with regards to shipments and, and potentially circularity as well. So uh, having having laid those little nuggets of, of tantalizing information for us to talk about today, before we get into all that, can you tell us, David, a little bit about yourself and and how you, you came, what, what journey you came along to start Hubbed? Sure. Well, um, if I go uh, way back in the, in the distant uh, uh past you know i started uh, my career as, a, as an accountant actually and um and came to australia from london and after a while i ended up working for microsoft i was with microsoft for 15 years running its um consumer businesses xbox and uh all of its physical goods that went into retail and after 15 years um i left microsoft and thought i'd gone work for another tech company but um i was actually inspired by an intern of mine who left Microsoft to set up his own business. And I was just so enamored by him doing that at such a young age. And I always wanted to try and run my own business. So I thought to myself, you know what, I'll um, I'll, I'll leave, I'll set up a company. And if it doesn't work, I'll just go back to, um, you know, corporate life. And so I thought, what do I know? Well, I know a little bit about accounting and I know a lot about retail. And I also know a lot about working for large companies that, um, for want of a better word, have a dominant position in the market. So I would love to set something up to compete with a business that did that. And uh, I decided that I wanted to compete with Australia Post. And I thought um, I really wanted to work with some retailers who used to be central to the community and weren't so much anymore. And so I thought about news agents who, you know, at one point, that's where we went to get our news. That was the center of our lives. And 
and it was no longer that way and they were suffering and a lot of their categories were being moved to the post office quite frankly so we set up a, a parcel um service we built a bunch of tech incorporated into about 700 news agents and we thought this is really a good way to give back to the community we've got these small businesses that are getting some categories that were supporting them and allowing them to grow and uh i'll be frank with you it was an unmitigated disaster um <laughs> we sp spent a bunch of money and uh uh couldn't really get this group of people to work together the way we wanted and we were just learning a lot about logistics it was just it was awful awful but the um the carriers the logistics companies liked the network we built and they said david uh can we use your network for missed deliveries because it actually is creating an economy for us in that we don't have to bring these parcels back to the depot and we can drop off a sorry we miss you card much like australia post so that was the emergence of our business and and um, we we started uh to build it out that way and then over time it morphed into the sort of e-commerce um uh opportunity that it now is and you know almost 3000 locations across the country and and uh, working with all of the major um shippers and some of the largest retailers in the land and really providing this sustainable solution that we're so passionate about and it really ties in with the whole ESG program and ethos that we started the business with yeah amazing and i can only imagine how hard that would have been to try and compete with Australia Post inside news agents where Australia Post have got a huge foothold already. Uh, tricky, a very, very difficult thing to do. So I'm not yeah. I'm not surprised you ran into some problems with that. Um, but I love the fact that you you essentially what you've essentially done, of course, is to is to solve a problem for these logistics companies because they're not allowed to deliver to post boxes, right? Um, so, right. so you've solved a problem for them. You've pre presented another opportunity. So it makes sense for them. But I might be getting ahead of myself here because mm. I don't think we've said the word Pudo yet or pick up yes. drop off point. Right. So, so let's go straight there, David. It's the right. biggest question of all. What the heck is a Pudo <laughs> and why is it sustainable? Okay. So it depends on which market you're in. Um, so in, in, in uh, Europe, a Pudo stands for pick up drop off point. And it really is talking about picking up or dropping off parcels. That's what they are. Um, in some other markets, they're called collection points. So we really call them collection points in Australia, but um, PUDO really stands for pick up drop off. And, and basically it is an alternate delivery choice to shipping to home. And obviously there are sort of three groups of, uh, of uh, uh, people who really care about PUDO. So you've got the consumer, and from the consumer's point of view, a PUDO could be a great service for them if they don't want an item left outside of their home or they don't have an authority to leave or they don't have good access or they may want to, uh, they know they're not going to be home and they, they want to be sure that they can pick that consignment up on the weekend. So PUDOs typically have extended hours of opening. They typically operate on the weekend. A PUDO can be a physical storefront or a locker. And we integrate our technology into both. So in Australia, we've got... 2,800 points um, where, and it could be news agents, pharmacies, petrol stations. Um, it could be a storage center that can take a different configuration or a different size of parcel. And then depending on the customer we're working with, we provide those services. So consumers love it because it just gives them more convenience, more choice and more control. The logistics industry loves it because it just drives efficiency and better utilization of their networks. If they can drop 20% of their consignments into our network in one or two drops, then that's 
20% of the door-to-door deliveries that they don't have to do. That is actually where the sustainability uh, message comes from because you, you're now driving a more sustainable delivery. And I'm sure we'll talk more, more about that later. And then the, the the third part is the retailer. The retailer gets more delivery choices. And uh, a bugbear of mine is I say to retailers all the time, why is it when I go to your website, you know, there are eight ways for you to take my money, but you've only given me two ways to get my stuff, either fast or slow. Give me more delivery choices. And that's what Apudo does. It allows you to say, I'll have a click and collect service or I'll have returns or a drop-off service. So all of a sudden your customer has all of these additional services and one of them is greener than all the others being click and collect. Brilliant summary. And I, and I love the fact you've covered off, you know, essentially all three constituents of why, you know, why the points actually work really well. But let, let's, let's drill into customers for a minute because I think universally, or at least I would hope universally, brands want to make the best possible purchasing experience for their customers. And the purchasing experience, let's be honest, includes the delivery and getting the actual thing in, in your in, inside your house. And I don't know how many it is. I think it's something like 60% of people have, have stated in, in the past couple of years that they've had f- issues with delivery from, from e-commerce stores. And what I think is really interesting about that is that we know from looking at various different reports and various different surveys that something like 70 or 75% of people purchase stuff online outside of business hours, right? So in the evenings and weekdays and at weekends. And that's exactly when they want to have things delivered because they know they're going to be home then, especially now that everyone's going back into the office and going back into the workplace after all the lockdowns. And yet the traditional delivery mechanisms don't allow for that. So how can they be sure? You know, so many people now getting increasingly concerned about about, um, the delivery theft or parcel theft. Yeah. So the existing networks that we have fundamentally are mismatched to consumer buying and expectation behavior, right? So what we're saying here is that potentially the the pickup points, the collection points, if you're calling them that rather than pudos, I know them as pudos. Mm. So sorry if I get the language mixed up here, but but what you're saying is, especially the ones which like service centers, well, they're open whenever the service station is open. So if you you know if you want to swing by on your way home from work at half past five, you can go and do that and pick that thing up. That's really cool, right? I mean, that's a massive benefit to customer experience. I think you're exactly right, Giles. I've always, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I say to retailers all the time, look, the purchase experience, if you look at traditional bricks and mortar, you go into a store, you know, you select your item, you make a, a purchase, and that transaction is concluded when that consignment or that product is, is given, put into your hands and you leave the store. And what we see is a lot of retailers, um, create the most beautiful websites and, you know, beautiful SKU selection and all the rest of it. You go into a, the checkout, it's eight different ways to pay. Um, and then your delivery is fast or slow. And then uh, as your choices, and then it's sort of in the lap of the gods. Service levels may not be there. You don't know if that item is going to be, is going to arrive on time. Uh, you don't know if you're going to get the appropriate notifications. Sometimes you get too many notifications. Uh, it's sort of as if the transaction's finished at the checkout, and then uh, what happens? What is is what happens afterwards? And we all know how important maintaining a relationship with that customer is. So, from my point of view, the transaction finishes when that consignment is in that customer's hands. So, therefore, you, you've got to think about that customer experience right at that point. I've had a, a, a an iPhone left on the side of of the on the wall outside my house once when I made a purchase, not a good experience for me, even though nobody took it, um, really annoyed me that they left it there to begin with. So give me a choice. 
Mm. Now, there are certain things that, you know, you'd absolutely want to be delivered to home. But to your point, there may be some things that aren't as pressing. Most people are buying things that they do not actually need in a couple of days. But actually, if you send it, click and collect, and you get that notification, it's arrived there, then you pick it up at your leisure. I'll pick it up on my way to the gym on the weekend or on my way to work tomorrow morning or on my way back from work. Whatever it may be, you pick it up at your leisure, but you've got the security of knowing that it's there, it's ready for you, and it's in a safe place. And you also know that what you've just done is more sustainable than that driver um, coming to your home, you not being there, and then taking that consignment on yet another journey. Yeah. So these are things that I think are really important to customers. And we're seeing that with um, the stats that we have, that uh, um, according to our research, 68% of consumers say it's more convenient to pick up their parcels from somewhere close to their home at a time that suits them. So simply giving them these delivery choices is really helping your relationship with the customer. Yeah, oh, I couldn't agree more. It absolutely is. I mean, um, you know, as we've said before on the show, that even though you may not have any control over it, uh logistics the delivery of the parcel what it's wrapped in all of that stuff is part of your brand experience whether whether you control it or not and therefore offering customers the choice of where and when they collect whether where and when they actually receive their parcel is really important and talking about when as mm. i understand it one of the reasons why we see things like same day or next day delivery services starting to become more and more popular is not because people can't wait an extra hour or two to get their parcels. It's because they want some sort of certainty about when the damn thing's actually going to arrive. Because we've all experienced, 100% of people have experienced, I'm sure, a frustration with going, okay, it'll be three to five days, and then it's turning up seven, eight, nine, ten days later after the birthday, after the event, when you thought you were going to get it. Um, and so people are spending more money to try and get that fast service. It's less, it's a less sustainable service because of the way that they don't um, uh, uh, consolidate their shipments and all the rest of it, the shipping companies. So we're actually, by not offering this alternative in Pudo, we're actually not giving customers control over when they receive their parcels to the degree they want. They don't necessarily want it the same day. Uh, another nail on the head moment. Most people do not need those consignments on that day. They they order um, same day for security. That's exactly right. And we, we have some uh, particular evidence of this. Um, a couple of years ago, a, a carrier that we work with were inundated with volume um, through, through peak at, at Christmas. And they literally knew that they weren't able to deliver all of the consignments to their customers before before Christmas Day. They knew they weren't going to be able to do it. And so they contacted us and said, look, um, do you mind if we just start to put all of these consignments into your network, even though the customer hadn't asked for it, but could we put it into your network anyway? And we said, as long as you notify the customer ahead of time that that is what you're doing. And so they did that. And they just said, look, we cannot guarantee that we're going to have this parcel left to you at home. So we're going to put it into Hubbed. So we had thousands of parcels through Christmas dropped into our network. That particular carrier's net promoter score went up because the customer was so happy to just get the surety mm. that they were definitely going to receive their consignment uh, before before Christmas. They didn't necessarily get too wound up that it didn't turn up that day. They just knew that it was going to be available for them to pick up. And so they've now changed their model to be more aggressive on click and collect services because they've worked out that it's about giving them notifications and surety that the consignment would be ready that's the right thing to do. It supports their ESG program and um, the customer's happy. Yeah. And you mentioned click and collect there. And, and I think that's an interesting one because 
you know, for, for most big brands, click and collect means you collect it from our store because we've got a warehouse, some sort of depository around the back of the plane. We can just bring it to the front desk and you can get it, right? That's fine. But how does your what you're doing kind of support a click and collect facility for smaller brands that perhaps don't even have a physical location? Well, it, it's smaller and, 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 and larger brands um, who are pure place. So we, for example, in Australia, we are Amazon's um, uh, click and collect network. So if you, if you, I did not know that. Yeah, if you buy from Amazon online in Australia and um, you want a click and collect service, um, they will give you our location. You select that in the checkout and the consignment is shipped to us. And in actual fact, what you're seeing at the moment, um, uh, what are we, we're in July now, Amazon is actually running a promotion where they're actually giving their customers a discount to put those consignments into our locations versus home shipping. And I believe that that supports um, the sustainability actions that people are looking at and incentivizing customers to realize that there are other ways for them to receive their consignments. So I think um, a click and collect for pure place creates, in effect, that sort of omni-channel experience. We do the mm. same for the iconic. Uh, we provide uh, similar services for Zara, where um, you know you buy online. If you want a collection point experience, you select hubbed in the cart and then the consignments come into our locations for you to pick up. Yeah. So how how big uh, or extensive does a brand need to be before uh, they can work with a, a, a Pudo or a collection point service like hubbed? Well, there are, there are uh, sort of two or three ways that we work with, with um, brands. So we work with a lot of SMBs. Now, if you are a reseller on a marketplace, for example, um, if, you're, if you sell on eBay, you can click and collect into our network. We're eBay's click and collect uh, provider in Australia. So we have lots of smaller retailers who are sellers on eBay, actually um, are giving their customers the opportunity to click and collect into our network and, and do returns from our network as well. So we work that way. Then you can actually connect our hub directly for our own SMB program and we'll, we'll, we'll sign you up and uh, give you access to our network. And you can, um, if you're a smaller um uh, seller and you're on one of the major platforms, you know, Shopify, Magento, WooCommerce, BigCommerce, any of those, we have a standard plugin. So you oh. can literally go to your marketplace, download our plugin, and then there you are. You're, you're ready to um, engage engage with Pub. And if you're a larger organization, um, we can do some bespoke uh, customized API integrations for you to support your volume moving through our networks. Amazing. That, that, I mean, that's music to my ears that you you integrate with all those those um, e-commerce platforms. So obviously, it makes sense. It makes complete sense. So, so talking about the coming back to the customer experience of that, do they at, at the checkout? Do they, and they if they select a collection point, do they get to select which collection point to send it to? Absolutely. So they they can put their postcode or suburb in in the checkout page in the delivery section, and up will come a list of hub locations, and it could be. Within a one kilometer radius, a three kilometer radius, five kilometers, you can see the opening and closing times. You select the location you want, and then we give you a Google map uh, that actually gives you directions from where you are to that particular location. If it's a new, if it's new to you, mm. now and then you just literally go in, uh, show your your phone. I'm here to pick it up. We give you a unique pin. Um, we scan the item over to you and and check it out. The whole thing takes less than a minute. Um, for a, a typical uh, pickup. Uh, returns is just as easy. You can nominate a location to drop your return, or if you change your mind and want to drop it to another hub location, that works e equally fine for us. So we've worked out that it's very much about giving the customer all of the choice and all of the convenience. There's no point setting a Pudo network up 
and then making it as hard as you know some of the other sort of collection options that exist in the market today no totally and so how would a brand go about getting that customer's order to your network so in their literally in their checkout once they've done that in effect what happens is that orders uh, uh address has now been changed to one of our locations so if they already have their existing carrier they need to make no changes they can use their existing logistics company who will just come and deliver that um item to um uh, our network could be anybody Couriers please australia post um uh, aramex makes no difference all of those consignments will just be delivered to our location as normal. When it comes into our location, we scan the consignment in and then we send the customer a notification to right. say, hey, your item's here. You can come and pick it up whenever it suits you. Right, perfect. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense as well. Awesome. Very, very cool. So let's come back to this question of sustainability and and focus on that for a minute. I mean, you know, I think we in, I think we intuitively understand that it's that last mile separation of delivery that that is so costly from a carbon footprint point of view when it comes to delivery. Um, do you have stats on 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 how much more sustainable, uh, sure. or do you have some science behind how much more sustainable the Pudo points actually are? So we we've had some research done and a case study done on us um, recently by the Carbon Reduction Institute of Australia. And they say that on average, a delivery with hubbed saves about 0.47 kgs of carbon uh, or CO2 equivalent emissions versus home delivery. So in effect, in effect, what they're saying is half of the um, uh, carbon is saved when you deliver to a hub location versus delivery to home. And, and that will only increase um, as the percentage of items that go into click and collect to one of our locations versus home delivery increase. Now we we look at what's going on in Europe and in parts of Europe, uh, delivery to Pudo is upwards of 40% of all deliveries in, in certain countries in Europe. And so Australia's got a, a long way to go. And if you look at what's happening in Europe and these other markets, there's an aggressive push to drive carbon down by getting people to uh, collect from, from um, these locations. Uh, the other thing that we 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 tend to remind um, uh, retailers of is that if if that business has set itself a net zero target, right over time, then Hub actually helps them, a retailer or a carrier, achieve those goals, because um, we already, as a part of their supply chain, directly reduce their supply chain emissions. And so, you know, we characterize that as being um, uh, we really work on what are considered uh, scope free emissions as defined by the greenhouse protocol. So we know that the work that we're doing is is driving um, down carbon. And if if I can just bang on just for a second more. Um, no, I love it. Keep keep banging on. Keep banging. <laughs> this is what this show is all about. Banging on. Keep going. Well, Hubd is actually the first um, logistics carbon neutral service in Australia. Um, we've been carbon neutral um, and certified um, since 2017 by the Carbon Reduction Institute of Australia. So we actually talk to all of our other carrier partners and say, you should be working with us. And they all do because they understand that, hey, if we're moving consignments through HUD, we know that we can actually quantify the amount of emission, uh, carbon emissions that we are saving versus our home delivery. Now, obviously, there's a benefit for them because it increases their opportunity for utilisation and they can do more deliveries because they're dropping off more in bulk for us. But from our point of view, 
that's great. We we want that to um, continue um, uh, happening within within the market as as much as as possible. I'll stop talking when when I say this. Our vision, the vision of our company, is to transform the sustainability of the last mile through delivery choices, and our mission is to reduce um, the world's congestion and emissions by moving as many parcels as possible for our network. So when we talk about uh, reductions in emissions, we also talk about congestion. We want less vehicles on the road, moving around, dropping off and delivering parcels to home. So if we can make it as convenient as possible for the customer and we can quantify the fact that this is a unique saving, then retailers can actually promote um, delivery choices into our network as a greener shipping option than home delivery. And we know there are a bunch of consumers in in this market and markets all over the place who really care about that. Yeah, 100% they do. And and I know, I'm sure you have uh, uh, more direct statistics uh, than I do, but we've been preaching to people that they they absolutely need to communicate the sustainability of their shipments and their packaging and all the rest of it as a key part of their sustainability messaging because customers do want to know. I know that that myself, I'm not necessarily the biggest um, uh, eco-warrior on the planet because I've only been thinking about this myself for the last few years of my life. I'm 50 now. So, you know, <laughs> I haven't been I haven't been doing that for the last 35, 40 years. Uh, but there are there are lots of people out there for whom it's a real pain point to not know exactly what a brand is doing with regards trying to make their sustainability part trying to make their delivery part more sustainable um you know so you're 100 right the customers do absolutely want that and they absolutely want to be able to give them the choice as as to how those things get delivered to their door so uh, that, that's exactly right it, it's completely correct now continuing with sustainability angle obviously we're seeing a big shift from a business model point of view from being linear to being circular we're seeing that it's starting to gain momentum. Um, and in many countries, that's reasonably easy because the population density is huge and it's 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 not so difficult to get the reverse logistics happening. In Australia, it's a nightmare trying to get reverse logistics happening. So what are your thoughts on the future of uh, the opportunity around PUDO and collection points to assist with building a circular economy? I think uh, there are a few things there. I think, firstly, um, there is some good work that I see retailers doing in trying to, you know, reduce the amount of returns they have by being a lot more sophisticated in terms of understanding what their customer wants and giving them the right items uh, to begin with. I, I really do want to call that out. But I also think that there are a couple of things that, that we need to do better. Firstly, um, uh, retailers need to see returns as not a problem but a part of the whole purchase cycle. The reality is some things are going to come back and you need to treat the uh, retailer, uh, to treat the consumer with respect around that rather than just, just um, saying it's all hard work and it's a challenge. I think also retailers really do need to adopt the circular economy um, with a degree of seriousness. Part of that means that they should expect that some of these consignments aren't going to come back to them. And we all know, let's be honest, that a lot of these consignments they go back because people want to protect the brand, but they're never going to get back on the shelf and we know where they go. And it's not great. And everybody needs to be honest about that. Now with Pudo, there's a great opportunity here. One of the things we're um, uh, looking at doing is, is working with some of the op-shop um, uh, networks across Australia. And so what I'd love to see is that if a retailer is working with us and they have returns, 
those returns can come back via hub and end up in one of those locations where they can be uh, resold or actually gifted by that um, retailer so that that circular economy can exist and that customer can um, have an experience with that you know, uh, pre-lived item. And we think that um, taking those consignments out of the supply chain is the best thing to do, right? So from a circular economy, I buy it, I've used it, I don't want it anymore. Um, and that retailer actually authorizes me to return it into the hub network and the hub network's able to then send that to a community retailer who can actually resell that item rather than send it, sell it back into, in, into landfill. The re reality is we all know that the cost of actually bringing those items back may far outweigh the benefit of gifting those items so that they can be resold and become part of a circular economy from that perspective. So we're quite aggressive about that. We have a dedicated ESG lead who's working on programs to, um, to build that in with some of our retail partners. Some are getting it um, and uh, some are taking a little longer to, to consider it, but we see that as, as, as core to what we're doing. Yeah. It, it's interesting because obviously you've talked there about you know, I think the classic model there is the is the fashion apparel model where, you know, you buy a coat, you wear the coat for, you know, three months, four months, three years, five years, whatever it might be, still in great condition. And you and you want to offer it for resale rather than throwing it away, which obviously makes sense. And and clearly there's a growing, perhaps even exploding world of re-commerce where pretty much every fashion and apparel brand that knows what's good for them is is putting up a, some sort of re-commerce platform now, although let's be honest they're not all very successful at yes. at at really generating a circular economy at the moment for all sorts of reasons which I won't get into um and and actually of that you know reverse logistics is a part but maybe not the big part certainly when you've got high value things like a versace something or other or yes, you know with yes. big brands reverse logistics is a tiny part of the resale value so it's not a problem when you're talking about brands like i don't know shine or someone where mm. you know clearly the product is worth about three bucks in the first place. It's never going to work. Um, mm. But aside from that, what about what about this emerging circularity with brands like um, like Zero Co, where they're taking back the the packaging and and cleaning it and reusing it, or or a candle exchange where they're taking back the candle container, cleaning it and reusing it, or or so, some of the um, uh, food container networks where you know you 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 buy a, a big tub of beans. And then you send the container back to be refilled when you when you're out of it. So the containers, the high value part, the bit that's normally considered trash, instead of being sent to landfill, is now sent back to the company to reuse. How do you see that? Do you see a, a, an opportunity for Pudo to help with those sort of brands? Absolutely. Um, firstly, I think um, those initiatives are brilliant. Anything that that creates a, a reuse opportunity is brilliant. And um, uh, giving the customer the convenience of dropping it off at a location that can manage uh, a part of that process for them just makes it easier for them to make the decision to engage in the circularity of that. But I'll take it a step further. Um, uh, if you're going to do a return, why have any packaging at all? Why don't you bring it to a Pudo if you're going to return a particular product for a particular brand with no packaging, no label generation, no printing? and then have that Pudo consolidate all those items for return back to that particular retailer. Um, I think there was a, a, some research done uh, uh, recently that um, if you look at packaging, I think it was, what, 40%, 50, 40% of the packaging was just space. 
taken up, and then that actually creates a reduction in utilization of that um, vehicle moving around um, and delivering those items. So why don't you just bring all these um, uh, uh, box-free and label-free is the term that we're using for them, and just bring them in and have the PUDO consolidated so that they become one shipment, one set of packaging, and we're just eroding all of that. It's more convenient for the customer. They're not having to make sure they didn't rip the packaging up to, to begin with or finding something else to pack it into. And it makes more sense um, um, in terms of the consolidation of those items for further shipment on because they're using up less space, which is better for, for the environment anyway. And again, we're seeing this already with certain retailers who are working with us to do exactly that. Can we ask our customers to just forget about the packaging and bring the consignments back to you, um, uh, and then uh, you consolidate them for us and ship those out. Now, obviously, you need volume and density to support that across a network, but I actually believe that's one of the things that we're going to see more and more of because it just makes sense to remove the packaging discussion um, as much as possible um, from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, I think you're talking about shipment packaging there, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what about the, I mean, so the, all the examples I just gave were really about primary yeah. packaging, right? So, you know, a bottle of goo, a bottle of cream yes. or something, right? I mean, yes. you can't take that packaging away. Otherwise you can have yes. a lake. Of no, no, no. Absolutely right. I think on that side, what they're doing is fantastic because um, you can have a swapping exercise for a, for a Pudo, for example. And we do that with certain partners already. So they can literally bring things in and have it uh, replaced rather than creating new new packaging or, or new um, uh, yet, yet another container. And sometimes you're right, it's just bringing items in and having the Pudo do a process with it. And we, don't, we do some of that. We've got a partner where consignments come in and we need to check them, clean something, or just check that um, the item's clean and fit for purpose to move on. So I think that there will be a whole bunch of different models around that. What's happening is the Pudo becomes a hub where you can do an activity, a mm. consolidated activity activity a cleaning activity or whatever before it moves on uh, yeah. I think that it almost feels like um the world of pudos and refilleries might be might be coming sort of more and more aligned now because i mean you know in the context of that it makes absolute sense that if you're going into the refillery that you would go and pick up some parcels and drop them off and whatever else at the same time right that does, makes a lot of sense yeah. if you just you know if, if we think about the rise and rise of people having their own uh, personal bottles and stuff brands like frank green um, who we work with, you can see that there is um, no reason why you can't, I, I'd call it cross-docking in effect within a PUDA. So we're swapping, but we're not we're not creating new. We're just swapping one for another, but we're not creating new. I think I, I think you're going to see a lot more of that and people just becoming smarter. In if if I if I move away from the customer perspective for a moment, from the logistics perspective. These places can become micro hubs to do things that would require a shipment and a replacement and new consignments, uh, uh, new packaging, new content. And so mm -hmm. I think that we're going to see more and more of that. Yeah, love it. Love it. Love your thoughts on on where that's all going to go. I think it's I think it's very insightful and um, hopefully prescient as well, because that would solve a lot of problems. So talking of the future david uh what are you most excited about with regards to hub at the moment what what's what are you jumping out of your skin to share that you're working on at the moment uh that you think is going to be really exciting for the future well um uh, the first thing is that at its essence hub is a technology company you know we're, we're, i i describe us describe us as a technology company that happens to be really good at managing pudos 
So because of the way we've designed our tech, it's transferable. It's, it's a SaaS service. And so we've now set up a network in um, uh, New Zealand. We've just turned on a network in Taiwan. Uh, we've turned on, we're turning on a network now in Singapore. We actually turned on our Philippines network during COVID without a single visit um, to the Philippines. And uh, later on this year, we'll be turning on uh, Korea and hopefully uh, Malaysia and Japan um, because the platform's multilingual. So um, we're really excited about that because it means that we can work with global partners and maximize the efficiency of their shipping and drive their sustainability um, uh, model down. So we work, for example, with, with FedEx in Australia and New Zealand and in the Philippines, and we work with UPS in other markets and, and DHL and what have you. So our plan is to connect our network to the people who move freight so that they can be a part of this strong focus in driving um, driving economy and sustainability in the last mile. And then the same obviously applies for retailers. If you're a retailer in Australia and you know, you're shipping to New Zealand, well, um, you can connect to us and have a collection point over there. And um, if you're a, a, a global partner um, who we work with, once you're working with us in one market, you can work with us in, in others. So we're excited about the fact that we're creating a level of seamlessness um, and we're, we're pushing this sustainability um, uh, solution that we have into multiple markets. I would love to see Hubbed really become um, the first choice consideration for last mile because of how passionate and serious we are about the sustainability implications of what we're doing. Amazing. So if brands want to jump on board and find out more and, and potentially get their own uh, click and collect facility running through Hubbed, where would they go? And go to hub.com in Australia and uh, their uh, um, contact points there but i think the first thing i'd love them to do is go to hub.com and just learn a little bit more about us um there are some videos on there there are some, some key messaging about the things we do and what we're passionate about make sure that they feel like we are um genuine about what we're saying that we're authentic about it and, and we mean the things we, we we do and then i think from there um uh, we're always happy to engage um, um, with retailers, talk to them, see if we can help them with how they're considering their freight services, um, in addition to the fact that they will have access to a, a Pudo um, network. Be you a pure play uh, or omni-channel, you should always try and have locations where your customers live, work and play, and we think that we can provide that for them. Yeah, 100%. And so it's so pretty much the onboarding process is definitely a phone call and then and some sort of account management exercise, or can they literally download something and install it and get going? They can they can literally go to their marketplaces on the key marketplace and and download and get going, or they can contact us via our website or or um, I kind of remember our email contact that's terrible, but um, <laughs> they, they 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 can contact us and um, uh, yeah we'll we'll just take it from there. No worries. What we'll do is if I'll get you to send me the email address that you want people to send to, and we'll have that in the show notes. So no worries with that. David, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fascinating for me learning about Pudo, learning how advanced it is here in Australia anyway, and, and therefore what an opportunity it is for all brands, uh, all e-commerce brands here to, to offer A, a better customer experience, but B, a more sustainable option for shipments and delivery. So thanks for joining us today. It's been great. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk on my favorite topic. And I did say to you, I can talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles. And I think I proved my point. So <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, back to Giles again for my top takeouts. And firstly, 
it can be tempting to think that click and collect is actually an inconvenience for the customer. There are few things more annoying to me than when I ask for something to be delivered to my house only to then have to go out of my way to go and pick it up. That's a bad experience and it kind of undermines the value of being able to shop online from home. But don't mistake that with the convenience and certainty that collection points can add when chosen by the customer as part of the checkout experience. If it can be delivered to a nearby location more cheaply, potentially faster, when they're not home and more securely than leaving the parcel on the front door, the data shows unequivocally that shoppers regard that as a better delivery experience. And with that in mind, systems like Hubbed enable you in just a few minutes to offer the same kind of click and collect versatility that large chains have always enjoyed, leveling the playing field in customer experience. Remember, as James said last week, delivery to home is not going away anytime soon. This is just about putting choice in the hands of your customer. Lastly, I hope you can see how collection points or PUDO points, as they're known in Europe, can be a key leverage point in sustainability initiatives. Enabling logistics partners to consolidate deliveries to these locations has a significant downward impact on carbon footprint and is only going to improve as the uptake of these services increases. Perhaps though, even more powerfully, the potential for networks like Hubbed to evolve and continue to enable the circular economy may just unlock economic viability of reverse logistics, even for smaller brands. So I hope you found today's chat with David from Hubbed eye-opening and thought-provoking. I'd like to say thanks again to David for joining me and sharing those insights. I'll be back again with you next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.